A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you surely, man. Hello and welcome to the end of year. Gang's all here, 750th Irish Time, second captain's football podcast live from the historic Liberty Hall Theatre in Dublin. Say hello to our football listeners, everybody! Owen here with Ken and Murph. Hey guys. Hello there, Owen. This show comes to you, of course, with thanks to Penguin Original Clothing and Aer Lingus. Murph, you look like you have something to get off your chest about our two brilliant sponsors. <coughs> yes, Owen. From sea to shining sea, Aer Lingus is your only man. San Francisco is one of 11 North American destinations Aer Lingus service directly, and they now even fly direct to Los Angeles with daily flights from summer 2017. You can pre-clear U.S. customs and immigration in Dublin. So that means, U.S. Murph, when you get home, you're home. Ah! That's Aer Lingus. And when it comes to clothes, on, you know it took me a long time to get my look together. For the longest time, it was bootcut jeans, built-on GA club tops, and Al Farton jackets. But now my eyes have been opened to true style, courtesy of the good people at Penguin Original Clothing. That's Penguin on the very best in the business. Ken, the Premier League was a bloodbath the last couple of days. What, it's gone crazy. Huh? It's gone crazy. Sergio Aguero lost his mind. Uh, Fernandinho then stalking Cesc Fabregas, who, who I, th- I think getting played by Cesc Fabregas, to be fair. Marcus Rocco today with an insane two-footed lunch. Almost as bad as Aguero's as well as lunch. Zlatan Ibrahimovic squishing our beautiful Irish captain, Seamus Coleman. So it really was a, was a, a blood-filled uh, weekend of rage. I was quite, <laughs> quite struck by, uh, not to get too tabloidy a bit, I was quite struck by Gary Neville's commentary of the, not so much the Aguero tackle, but everything that followed it. He seemed to think it was just the greatest, the greatest thing. It's the kind of passion he that we t- should be seeing from a Sherlock man yesterday. It was unbelievable. Would you agree? Well, uh, Gary Neville particularly was referring to the way in which uh, Nathan Chalabot just pushed over Aguero. Yeah, that he came in and backed up his mate, but also then that everybody else stuck up for each other and started. Well, once, once Chalabot had done that, I mean, once Aguero had done that, there was there was going to be a brawl, and Chalabot, I think, was doing what he had to do. I mean, you can't you can't let that. Happen. I mean, you should. If if you see that happen, and the nearest player doesn't react angrily, there's something badly wrong with that team. You know. I mean, if you if he if he was to have seen David Luiz laid out like that by Aguero and just stood there, 
that would have been wrong. Although Diego Costa didn't get involved. That's true. He was. Mm. Sa- he was. Because he's not fighting the world anymore. No, as your favorite footballer, David Luiz, said afterwards, as he translates, he does everything. David Luiz. He no, translates David Luiz, Diego right? Costa interviews. Da- no, David Luiz. Okay. Can we all talk about David Luiz? <laughs> it is. It's actually difficult for me to see here because now I can see if I do this right. Now what I want is a show of hands. Oh, it works really well on podcasts. The old <laughs> show of hands. Oh, the house lights just came on. David Luiz is a great player, and you were all idiots. Raise your hands. <laughs> Raise your hand if you agree. There's quite a few. I'd say that's 35, 50 yeah, percent. A lot of flat earthers out here tonight, kid. <laughs> I, I think I think it's it's gone pretty well for for him. Let's bring out two of our football podcast heavyweights right now: Richie Sadler and Jonathan Wilson. <laughs> My little friend Bobby. The show is called The Gang's All Here, so I thought the gang needed to be all here. She hasn't gone to the Jack since about three o'clock, though. Excellent. Great news. That's my concern. Richie and Bobby are two of the stars of the Second Captain Sports Annual Volume 2, of course, available now on secondcaptains.com. Very expensive shipping, isn't it, to everywhere in Ireland and the UK, Mark? That's where you're wrong, Owen. It's completely... (laughs) How many times do I have to tell you this, Owen? It's completely free packaging to Ireland and the UK. God. Secondcaptains.com. There you are in the book, hanging out with your lovely dog. A round of applause for Richie's dog, Bobby, by the way. She's bolting all over the furniture. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great that you're getting on so well here with this dog, Richie. But haven't you forgotten about somebody? That's, uh, that's your late, great Victorian bulldog, Frank. And this being a landmark 750th podcast, we were listening back to some of our early shows and we came across one of the first audio beds that we ever put together. The odds weren't in his favour. I just turned to him and said, you tell me he's going to die. But the, the, the vet gave me a little 15 minute spell. He said, listen, I'll be into you again in 15 minutes. I'll leave you too. And I just turned to him and said, you basically tell me I should say goodbye. I was in pieces on the night it happened and after that I thought, you know, I'm really dealing with this well. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm a fine man. A few weeks later, I happened to be sitting in my sitting room on my own watching telly. And I went to get up and I just checked on the ground to see was Frank there so I wouldn't stand on him because he would always sit next to where I was sitting. And then it just dawned on me, oh no, he's gone. And he's not coming back. Anyway, Did oh, you? Richie. The reaction we expected to get was that you would all laugh at Richie's sadness and not fall in love with him and his new dog even more. But I suppose Bobby, that's he it. meant nothing to me at all. <laughs> he meant nothing. I'm just concerned that you're, you're moving on a little too quickly. Now, jo- Jonathan Wilson, was, did Zlatan squish Seamus Coleman today like a bug unfairly and should he have been sent off for his actions? Remember where you are as we speak. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm aware I'm out of step here that Seemingly, everyone on social media thinks it was deliberate. Uh, I think the way that Zlatan fell on top of him was probably deliberate. But the little kick with the heel, uh, I, I honestly can't, can't work it out. So I think had he been sent off, nobody would really have complained. I don't think an appeal would have been successful. 
whether it's clear-cut enough for him to be banned retrospectively, I, I don't know. That's a rubbish first answer. I have no idea. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think of it, Richie? You, you also had a little look at it there outside. I think it was the little kick with his left leg at the end, which is the one thing that, I, that drew my attention. He because knew, he, he's, he's, got, he's good with his feet, Latin. He, I, I, think he, I think he knew what he was doing, and I think it's one of those actions that you can explain away by saying, you know, you were trying to get up or, or, or protect yourself or all this shite you come out with to try and stop getting in trouble. But I think, I think he probably on the balance meant it. Should we celebrate all this violence, as Gary Neville suggests, John? Is it just part of the passion of the Premier League and one of the things that makes... I mean, it is. Like, of course, it's, 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 what, it's why people watch this football, because something like this can happen. Uh, not so much that, but more the Aguero challenge and, and other violent clashes. I mean, it's all very well until somebody gets a leg broken into 20 pieces. I mean, th- th- that tackle, the Aguero tackle, and then the Rocco tackle today were both... I mean, the two worst tackles I've seen in... I don't know how long. Chris um, Sutton said that the Aguero tackle was the worst he's ever seen. He said he's never seen as bad a tackle as that. I'll give you Graham Sooners from Sean Elliott in 1980. Richie, Richie looked like you wanted to get in there. Yeah, I think he just got carried away when he said that. I, I, that couldn't possibly be the worst tackle he's ever seen. Is it not the worst tackle you've seen? No. <laughs> Desperately scanning uh, the memory Christ, Roy Keane on Haaland was worse, no? Oh, yeah. That, Jesus, uh, it was. It probably was. That didn't take long to find a worse yeah. tackle. <laughs> I, mean, I think you make an argument that the Rocco tackle was, was almost worse because if you go in straight-legged, two-footed, into a player who's already on the ground, that's far more likely to do damage than the sort of wild lunging thing that Guerra did. So, I mean, the Guerra Not even hard. the worst tackle this weekend then, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, both, both Argentinians. So, um, given we seem to be plugging everything, uh, I do have a book on Argentina out, which would be very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Richie, when you saw the brawl taking place, well, a kind of kind of a brawl. I mean, Chelsea players who weren't prepared to see that done to to their uh, the beating heart of their team, David Luiz. Um, what 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 did you what did you feel when you saw that? I mean, is this something you were? How would you have reacted in the in the role of Chalaba, who got straight in there and and showed Aguero what for? I think I remember in my late teens I think being at Millwall and being in a, in a match and there was a brawl kicked off it might have been a reserve game or a youth game and I remember the ones who didn't get involved all the following week were reminded on a daily basis by the senior p- pros and some of the coaching staffs and these little Snyder marks I heard you were nowhere to be seen all this kind of stuff so you, you, I kind of learned early on that if something like that happens it's expected that you join in Were you, were you one of those people who, who stood by? I wasn't in, in, in that game, but I think instinctively you just go in. And, and actually, if you look at most, I don't even call them brawls, malaise or whatever they are, most people are in there just doing nothing. They're in there just, you know, just shaping and, and not actually throwing any digs or, or getting hit in any way, but you just you feel the need that, well, if there's something happened there, you, you're going to go there. What would the attitude be towards Cesc Fabregas in a situation like that? Because mm-hmm. he wasn't the most, his actions weren't the most you know, aggressive or masculine of, if you're talking about those kind of, those leaders who want to see something from their team. What he went in and did was a a little slap in the face, but you could argue he was the most professional of everybody in there because he managed to get a player sent off. He literally slapped him on the face and then just kept edging back as he was getting shoved in the throat and eventually jumped over the hoardings and got Fernandinho sent off. Would would, would he be applauded for for getting getting a man taken out off the other team? 
I think it totally depends on the culture of the dressing room. Would you would you call it professionalism? Because and that word itself can be well, defined as many different when, things. Again, Roy Keane when he lost it with Alan Shearer and tried slapping him around and kept missing him. Shear had a little smile on his face as though I've done you here. You know, I'd imagine Newcastle are pretty happy with him, but I don't know if that's that would be the case. I assume I assume he's sitting somewhere kind of laughing at how much he he he, he done was a Fernandinho. Like he just completely sucked him in, did the little thing, didn't get caught, and then just stood there like an innocent little lamb when he was getting the, tro- the arm around the throat. You were at the game, Jonathan. Pep Guardiola looked pretty furious afterwards, certainly in the TV interviews. Yeah, I mean, he, he kept himself under control. and I, you know, I watched him when the final whistle blew because he was sort of thinking, is he going to go mad at, um, at the referee? But he, he made a very clear point of striding very quickly, you know, shook hands with, um, with Conte, then... He strode onto the pitch, went straight over to the referee, shepherded away a couple of players, made a point of shaking hands with the officials. Um, and then, you, while clearly seething, did keep it in check in the press conference. So I, I, I guess that's as... I mean, it was boring from our point of view. And he kept coming out of this line of, oh, I've got to learn the referees. Well, you know, sending off Aguero for that's not some kind of crazy English bit of referee, and that's just kind of... Um, so I, I, I guess the... Um, City's frustration was that Gary Cahill got away with a pretty bad tackle in the first half, which was actually just in front of where I was. So he went in on Aguero, sort of studs up just below the knee, very late, um, and it was sort of a, an advantage. It's so sort of a couple of minutes later by the time uh, we went back to it, and he got a talking to. But I think that was at least a yellow, arguably a red, if the ref was in the mood for it. And then the David Luiz, the greatest player in the world, his subtle little uh, little elbow. Uh, in around. the Premier League, I mean, fair enough. You know. <laughs> Best in the Premier League. I mean, you, you say Guardiola says he he, he uh, needs to learn learn about the referees, learn about English football. I think he could do worse than listen to one of the most astute voices in the game today. Um, we can play a little clip here. Actually, this is a guy who who I think Guardiola's got a lot to learn from. Possession football does not work in the Premier League, full stop. Possession football is not suited to the Premier League. Attacking footballers, you could even argue defensive footballers if you look at how uh, how Mourinho's Chelsea played last year. Possession football, where you keep the ball, where you try to be Barcelona, where you try to be Bayern Munich, without that star quality, does not work. Do you, um, do you feel any sense of responsibility for that monster? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I think of a book he'd very much enjoy for Christmas if, uh, if his parents happened to be listening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually think, though, the thing about him, I mean, there's a lot of things he could say, but I think he's, I think he's making a, a good point. I think he actually is onto something there. At least... Uh, you know, he, he, was, he was an angry Man United fan who just watched Man United lose 2-1 to Norwich. You know, Louis van Gaal, Man United. Louis van Gaal was basically trying to do the same thing that Guardiola's doing. I mean, it's the same basic idea. It's like positional play, control the ball, you know, pass it around a lot in midfield, try to work your way systematically up the field. And when you're playing in the Premier League, as Charlie says, <laughs> it's just... It's a, it's a different setup. I mean, the goals that City conceded were just fast players ripping through them. They're going to come up against that a lot. Like Van Hal had that against Leicester when they lost 5-3. It's, it's teams all over the Premier League that are like that. It's really difficult to play the kind of football he wants them to play in, in England. 
And I mean, the, the Lukaku goal for Everton, even Sutton's goal against them at the end of the season was, was a break. So Guardiola's football is vulnerable to counterattacks. I think that's not unique to England. I mean, I think uh, you think of when um, Bayern lost to Real Madrid in the semi final in 2014, just got done on the counter again and again and again. So, I mean, do you, do you then start to say, did Guardiola's football only work to the, to the level it did at Barcelona because of an exceptional generation of players brought up in a culture where they all know exactly what they're doing? And it, it, you know, is the attempt to transfer that to Bayern, to City, is that doomed to fail against this sort of new breed of coaches, the, the Klops, the Contes, who play that more muscular, rapid football? I mean... It's a, it's certainly a challenge for him. I, 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 I'm, I'll be interested to see what happens over the next two years. I'll be reluctant to write him off uh, or to say that his style of football is is passe. But it's definitely a question that wasn't being asked at Barcelona. Well, even yesterday, if Kevin De Bruyne hadn't missed an open goal from about two yards, they would have been fine. Richie, I don't know. Are you are you a Pep believer? I think I am. I, th- I think it's a bit. We're a bit quick to be too critical of his style to write it off basis on, on the basis of what was seen yesterday. They'd, they'd be top of the league if, if those early chances were taken. I think De Bruyne had a couple, Aguero had a couple when it was 1-0, so they could be sitting top of the league tonight. So all this conversation would seem a bit daft in that case. But I think it was the way... Like your man, what's his name, Charlie? Charlie, Charlie yes. Charlie. Lo- lovely little fella. Lovely little fella. I think it, the, 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 the quality of player does matter. The, the, the one that jumped out at me yesterday was Otamendi, particularly for the, first, for the first goal. He just didn't have the physicality or the strength required. And in the second one as well, whatever was in his head to try and nick the ball ahead of Costa. So I think individual errors cost him, but I don't think it's necessarily right to write off the system based on that. What, what do you think, then, John, of, that, of the comparison with Van Gaal? Because Van Gaal was there for two years and it didn't work. Like, it didn't, it didn't happen. So, I mean, there are different explanations for what that might be. I mean, maybe it was Louis van Gaal, you know, in his mid-60s, uh, didn't really, couldn't really communicate that effectively with his players. You know, they, they, they were kind of laughing at him a bit behind his back or, you know, whatever. Um, maybe it was the players are not very good. The Man United players are not great. Maybe, though, it is that thing of you're in a hostile environment. This is like Jamie Vardy is the footballer of the year in this league. You know, that's the kind of league it is. And if you want to pass the ball around in the middle of the field a lot, expect to concede a lot of goals on the counter-attack. Well, possibly. But I think Guardiola's football is pretty different to Van Gaal's. You know, it's much quicker, it's much more intense. You know, the pressing is much, much harder. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure the comparison is... It's not a, an exactly congruent match. Um... I mean, I, I, you know, I think your point is, is, is absolutely right, that tactically, City got it right yesterday. You know, how, how De Bruyne missed that chance, I have no idea. They had two decent penalty shouts. Probably neither of them were, but you know, they could have been given. So you, know, you look at that, that shape, the, what Guardiola calls a three-box-three, three, and he's been reluctant. You know, he's, if you talk to players, you know, they, they've been saying that he keeps trying that in training. It doesn't quite work. It's, it's, it's different to what they're used to. It'll take time to settle into that. He decides to use it in, you know, in, in the biggest game he's had this season. I think the reasons for that are, were partly to do with, with how Chelsea play. There was a way to try and negate uh, Pedro and Azo, of course, so many teams' problems, to, to block up the spaces, to, to close those pockets of space that they operate in. Using the, the, the wide men so high up, Ben puts pressure on Moses and, and Alonso. So all of that was perfectly logical. All of that... You know, if, if you read uh, the Marty Pernod books on Guardiola, if you hear what, how Guardiola 
describes how he sets out games. You could see the rationale behind all that. Um, I mean, and it was clear enough that if you read my piece in the Guardian on Thursday, yeah, I pretty much predict how he's going to play because, you know, it, it was logical from following what he'd said, and it worked. On a, but individual mistakes from Otamendi, from Kolarov, from Bravo, an inability to finish meant they didn't win the game. You mentioned Bravo there, yeah. This is the other issue, and every, everyone's been focusing so far this season for the most part on him trying to play too much football and on Guardiola trying to turn him into that kind of player. But the main problem seems to be now that he doesn't really know where to stand when there's a striker bearing down on goal, which is a slight problem for a goalkeeper, I guess. And, and uh, Karius uh, on, on that team obviously struggled for Liverpool today, uh, gave away that goal at the end, got savaged by Jamie Carragher. Carragher yeah. likes savaging a goalkeeper every now and yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, what, who is he? Oh, Mignolet. Yeah. Himself and Gary Neville did a big bit on Mignolet. But remember, Gary Neville did also hammered David De Gea at one point, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, Carragher's made a mistake today, which David De Gea made exactly the same mistake on Wednesday. It's just, luckily enough, his team won 4 one whereas... Carriers was conceding a last-minute winner to lose 4-3, which is never good. Uh, but, you know, I think it might... Uh, I think Jamie Carriers' antipathy to Carriers may partly be to do with the fact that he resembles the kind of Handsome Prince character in a Disney cartoon. The one he used, who you meet at the start and you know that he's not the real Handsome Prince. You know, you know You're that thinking he's a of Shrek egg. there, aren't you? It's the, it's the Prince from Shrek, isn't it? Yeah, 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 and you, you know, there's, there's just something not right about him, you know, uh, something, something, and I think Jamie Carragher's right, but, but I, I really, I honestly don't see how he can make such a definitive judgment at this point, because you're talking about a, a player whose most of his Premier League career has just been standing there, nothing has happened, you know, he, he's let in a few, he's let in a couple of bad goals at this stage, but a lot of the time, he hasn't really had the chance to show that he can be good, you know what I mean, it's, it's kind of balls flashing past him, and I, I really don't think that he has proved one way or the other. You know, I'm, I'm surprised to hear Kyrus hammering him at this stage. Maybe he feels guilty about Minnie. He wants to give Minnie a, a dig out. Either of you boys a theory on that as to why he's getting such... Or is he getting too hard a time? Well, he was responsible for three of the goals today. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's a good but not all start. four, Jonathan. So, you know... I think that appears to be Ken's argument. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very early and goalkeepers... Yeah... Uh, all players, you know, would, you would want to give them time to settle in a new league before you, you write them off. But uh, the, the criticism of Minolo was always he doesn't save a high enough percentage of shots. Karius' save percentage is, is lower. And today, yeah, he made two catastrophic mistakes and let, let another shot slip underneath his body. So it wasn't, a great, it wasn't him making a great case for himself. You described it as like the Borussia Dortmund game in reverse. Well, it was, I mean, it was the, exa- the exact same pattern of... Of goals, you know, they were two, Liverpool were 2 0 up. They were, had been 2 0. You know, they, Liverpool was just in the role of, of uh, Bournemouth. They were 2 0 down, 3 1 down, and ended up winning 4 3 um, with a, you know, basically last minute goal. So, yeah, I mean, Liverpool have been involved in a number of those types of games since Klopp uh, took over. Uh, I can't remember them losing one, though. They beat Norwich, you know, 5 4. They beat Dortmund 4 3. There have been a couple of these kinds of. Silly type of game, like a game that Guardiola would go home and not speak to anybody for two days. And do Jose and Mourinho the same in a different way? You know, Mourinho would be like, "That's hockey. That's not. That's not football." Guardiola has this saying, you know, in one of those Paranormal books: "The faster the ball goes forward, the faster it comes back." You know, he would have been looking at that game, thinking, "This is not like what are these idiots doing?" You know, actually, it's, it's quite interesting in that in that Paranormal book. The, the the more recent, there's two now: Pep. 
Guardiola de Evolution. How, yeah, there's very faint praise towards Jurgen Klopp. Thomas Tuchel, the new guy at Dortmund, he loves, he loves him so much that uh, when Bayern beat Dortmund 5-1 in the Bundesliga last season, um, Tuchel also loves Guardiola. Uh, so anyway, 5-1, like an absolute thrashing, like a devastating beating. You know what I mean? Tuchel afterwards says, hey, Pep, um, I'd really like if we could go for dinner. Uh, and Pep said, hey, well, Tuesday's good for me. And so they meet up. And they're like having dinner in some place called Schumann's Bar. And everyone is kind of sitting there looking at the Bayern Munich coach and Bruce Dortmund coach, moving the salt cellar pots around, you know, showing them <laughs> tactics, ha- having like a meeting of minds. I thought that's incredible. Like, you've got the, the two biggest teams. One of them is beating the other 5-1. Like, I would have thought there'd be a real... Like, you know, you know, Ferguson lost 5-1 to Man City years and years ago. He said, oh, I went home, I felt I'd betrayed everyone in the city, all this kind of stuff. Pep and Tuchel just sitting there, like, buddying up, you know. I don't know, but he, he's a guy who's on his level. Conte also, I think, is a guy he thinks he's on his level. Club, I'm not so sure he, he uh, thinks he is. He's not alone in that. There's a, among... Yeah, elite coaches. There's definitely a scepticism about Klopp, which I, I can't, I can't quite work out why, but it definitely exists beyond Guardiola. Okay, we'll have to leave it there, folks. A round of applause, please, for Bobby Sadler, Jonathan Wilson, and Richie Sadler. That's it for the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast. So thanks again, thanks Murph. Thanks, on. Say goodbye to our football listeners, everybody. Hi, folks. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. <laughs>